The Lifestylist, episode 182, featuring Luke Story. I'm Luke Story, a former celebrity fashion stylist and founder of School of Style. For the past 20 years, I've been relentlessly dedicated to my deepest passion, designing the ultimate lifestyle based on the most powerful principles of health and spirituality. The Lifestylist Podcast is a show dedicated to sharing my discoveries and the experts behind them with you. It's no secret that I'm basically obsessed with the Four Sigmatic Medicinal Mushroom Elixirs. However, there's a couple other products that I don't talk about a lot and I wanted to share with you because I've added them into my regular routine. These things not only taste crazy delicious, but they have all the health benefits of the medicinal herbs and mushrooms as well. Okay, here's the first one. It's the Golden Latte. It's made with shiitake, mushrooms, and turmeric, sweetened with coconut sugar. It is bomb as... What, how do you say that? Bomb AF. You know what I'm saying? You know what F stands for, right? No, seriously, the golden latte is a really traditional Ayurvedic blend made with turmeric. And these guys throw the shiitake mushrooms in there and it is just insanely good. And also very relaxing. If you do like a hot elixir drink with some ghee or coconut oil and you've got the turmeric in there, there's just something about it that just chills you out. Next up, we've got the chai latte with turkey tail mushrooms and reishi mushrooms. Now, turkey tail is a little obscure. It's a medicinal mushroom. It's not in a lot of stuff and you don't find it a lot. So that's why I really like this chai latte. So again, like the golden latte from the Ayurvedic tradition in India, the chai latte is, of course, the staple that then later went on to the big coffee chains and is now full of sugar and hydrogenated oils and all kinds of disgusting stuff that you don't want. This is a legit chai latte that's actually good for you. And then the last one is the mushroom hot cocoa mix with reishi, cinnamon, cardamom, and cacao powder. This stuff is like the most bomb-ass um, hot chocolate you could ever want. Now, it's got a lot of health benefits, but it also tastes really good. So those are my three picks right now, the golden latte, chai latte, and the mushroom hot cocoa. You can try all of those and more over at foursigmatic.com forward slash Luke Story. Again, the URL is foursigmatic.com forward slash Luke Story. If you throw some of those things in your cart and then use the code Luke Story, you're also going to save 15% off. This episode of the Lifestylist Podcast, along with many others, is brought to you by my friends over at Organifi. And today, the product I'd like to talk about is Organifi Gold, and it gets a serious gold medal. The purpose of this particular product is to soothe you and to help you recover and relax. So I typically do this one at night in a hot drink, which I'll tell you about. Although you can do it on ice during the daytime, it's kind of an all-in-one deal. But the core ingredient of the gold is turmeric, and it's an anti-inflammatory spice. It's one of my favorites. I use it all the time. It's got actually over 8,000 published studies and articles showing its numerous health benefits. So I'll make myself a nice fatty little golden latte to wind the night down. 
It's also a way that I cheat and trick my friends into thinking I'm a really good chef because I make this amazing drink. But literally all there is is hot water and Organifi gold and some ghee or coconut oil. And it tastes amazing because it's got uh, coconut milk and cinnamon and ginger and lemon balm and a couple medicinal mushrooms. So it's a really warm, relaxing beverage and it's clinically proven to reduce stress. So that's what I like to do at night. That's Organifi Gold. And you can mix it into all kinds of drinks and smoothies and make ice cream out of it and everything. It's just totally badass. And more than anything, I mean, it's good for you and all that, of course, but it's just super, super delicious. I love this stuff. I live on it. Okay, so go to Organifi.com slash Luke. That's Organifi with an I. Organifi.com forward slash Luke. And if you use the code LIFESTYLIST, you'll save 20% off on your little bucket of gold. That's Organifi.com forward slash Luke, 20% off with LIFESTYLIST. Twas the night before Christmas and all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. But what is stirring, my friends, is the last episode of 2018 on the LIFESTYLIST podcast. It's now December 24th as I record this intro. This episode will be dropping tomorrow on Christmas Day, and what a day it is. Really excited to be delivering this very special bootleg broadcast of the show to you. Before we get into what the show is all about, let's talk about the newsletter. If you're a podcast fan like I am, you often listen to podcasts, and during the conversation, there are links and different resources mentioned, and you want to stop the car, you want to take a screen grab, you want to write down a timestamp, whatever your method is for getting that information. Perhaps you just stop and pause and Google it in your browser and get to the link or the site where you want to go. Well, listen, I can't stand doing that. So what I've done is gone to painstaking lengths to make sure that all of the links and resources from every single episode of the Lifestylist podcast are encoded in a newsletter. And I would love to send it to you each and every Tuesday for free. However, there's something you need to do in order to make that happen. If you've got a U.S. phone, it's really easy. All you have to do is text the word LIFESTYLIST. That's one word, all lowercase, LIFESTYLIST to the number 44222. So text LIFESTYLIST to 44222, enter your name and email, and you're good to go. Now, if you don't want to do it using a text, you can, of course, always go to lukestory.com forward slash newsletter. That's lukestory.com forward slash newsletter. And each and every week, I promise to send you the announcement of each podcast along with the show notes. So let's talk about next week's episode. And if you sign up for the newsletter right now, you're going to get the announcement and the show notes and the link to the video and everything else that comes along with episode number 183, featuring a very interesting conversation with Paul Selig. Now, this was uh, a conversation which was partially channeled by masters on the other side in another dimension. That's right. I recorded this one in New York City at the Whitma Live event with Paul. Amazing, amazing guy. I was turned on to him by Aubrey Marcus, a fellow podcaster and guest on this show. He said, dude, and he's had a lot of great people on the show. He said, Luke, you got to have Paul Selig on. And uh, he did not disappoint. So make sure that you get on the newsletter and also subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss next week's show or any others to follow. So back to our very special Christmas show. As I said, this is the last episode of 2018, which is why I chose to celebrate this very special episode with a very special night that I spent with quite a few Lifestylist podcast listeners at Rama in New York City back in October. And this talk was a real turning point for me 
and marked a directional change as I focused more of my content and even this podcast toward more spirituality, which is really what is closest to my heart. Now, many people view me as a health expert and biohacker, and you guys know I'm obsessed with all that stuff. It's fun, it's novel, it helps, everyone loves to feel good. Yet I always have to remind people that the main reason I'm into all of these physical practices is so that I have enough energy and vitality to carry the message of spirituality and to help people find and discover their own experience of God, universe, source, whatever they choose to call it. Now, 2018 has been a year of massive change for me. It's been filled with so much inner as well as outer progress. Some of the highlights were as follows. I turned my fashion school, School of Style, which I founded in 2008. So we actually also celebrate our 10-year anniversary. And we turned that into an exclusively online business model. So now all of our classes are online, which has freed me and my partner, Lauren Messiah, up to pursue our deeper passions in life and move on to you know the next levels of our, our personal lives and, and our career. So we're still able to help and serve thousands of people that want to become fashion stylists, as we've done for 10 years. But now we get to do it from the comfort of our computers. And so that was a huge change and something that really freed us up to pursue some things in a, um, in a more broad spectrum and in many ways, a more fulfilling and deeper way for me personally, because I was able to pivot three years ago out of the fashion industry and move into all things health and personal development and doing things like I'm doing now. So I'm very grateful to School of Style and all of our students and to my partner. It's been a really exciting to see what was, you know, a, a real 180 in terms of taking a, a risk in terms of business and to see that come to fruition and work out um, to serve the highest good for everyone involved, customers and owners alike. Then I did a ton of speaking gigs. I mean, oh my God, the Whitma Live events, Soho House, Noya House, all the houses. I know did a lot of different events. The Rama one that you're about to listen to. Had a chance to meet so many Lifestylist podcast listeners in person. Oh yeah, last weekend I just did the Neil Strauss event. There's so many of them I can't even keep track, quite frankly. And I plan to do tons more of that in 2019. So as I announce those events and workshops and maybe even a retreat or two uh, on the future shows, I'd encourage you to come out and hang out with me because it's really fun for me to meet listeners to the show in person. I've also guested on some amazing podcasts, tons of big podcasts. I think I've done, I don't know, 60 or 70 in total now at this point. So I've done a lot of talking, not only interviewing people, but being interviewed, which is really fun because then I just get to run wild and not have to worry about time constraints or talking so much that the guest doesn't get a chance and all of those things that come with hosting the show. I also hit my goal of uh, 2 million downloads of this podcast which, by the way, thank you so much for helping me to achieve that. I also became a kundalini yoga and meditation teacher and repaired some very important lost relationships. And as a result, I've grown immensely from all the work I've been doing on myself. I also adopted my first dog a few months ago, and I can't emphasize enough what a gift that has been in my life. Her name's Cookie. She's half chocolate chip, half Oreo. She weighs about 12 pounds. She's made of 100% pure love. And she's really helped to open my heart. And I got to say, being a dog dad has come surprisingly easy to me. I thought I was going to have to make a lot of accommodations and that, you know, my freedom would be stifled, but I find she just kind of fits right in and she's just so fun and playful and sweet and loving. It's just been a real treat to um, have that experience, especially having been someone that had a lot of trauma around dogs throughout my life. And um, that's why it took me to 
48 years old to get one of my own, but uh, it's been a great experience. Now I've also, um, I've got some bad news here too, which, you know, I guess it's not bad news. I'm going to turn it into good news. But a few days ago, I discovered that I've been living right next to a hidden cell tower, actually two hidden cell towers for the past three years, which are about a hundred yards away from where I'm speaking to you from right now, which um, if you know anything about EMFs, that is not good. That is way, way too close. Uh, the good news there is that it explains to me why I've had so many health issues in the past couple of years, despite my obvious and serious dedication to staying healthy, all of the biohacks, all the stuff I do. I don't talk a lot about the challenges that I'm going through uh, because I just work through them. And, you know, quite frankly, I'm, I'm trying to get the truths out of my guest, but a lot of my incentives for different things that I've worked on or focused on in terms of health and all these devices and practices have been to solve some reoccurring and sort of chronic issues like just being dizzy all the time and my vision going bad and ringing in my ears and um, interruptions in my sleep and things like that, many of which I couldn't really pin on anything specifically. So I just tried all these modalities to fix it and also just low energy fatigue, um, getting sick more than I'm used to, just getting a couple of really bad flus and colds and I'm like, what? I used to get sick every four years or something. You know, I was sick twice this year. And, um, you know, doing a lot of research as I have on radiation, cell phone exposure, cell towers, smart meters, 4G, 5G, all this stuff, I'm quite convinced that some of my symptoms are in direct alignment to having this monstrosity across the street. Now, many people have asked how I found this out because they're like, oh, damn, I want to know if I'm living next to a cell tower. Well, one way you can tell is just by looking up. And if you see those bars strapped to the side of a building anywhere within your eye line, you got to move. That's my personal opinion. You can also get an EMF uh, specialist, a building biologist, EMF mitigator to come out with all of their fancy bells and whistles and meters and determine you know, how much you are at risk. Uh, my buddy Matt Maruka came over here a couple months ago and he had his um, tri-field meter and he put it up in my living room. He's like, dude, you have an insane amount of radiation in here. And I just thought, well, yeah, that's because there's 57 Wi-Fi signals flying through my goddamn apartment. Little did I know across the street, there was a freaking microwave nuclear holocaust waiting to happen. So here's how I found it. Um, I recently made a commitment to sun gaze every morning at sunrise and sunset whenever possible. And I don't have a view of the sunset like I do the sunrise. So a few days ago, I decided to go across the street and basically sneak into the office building <laughs> that's near my apartment. And as I reached the top of the stairs, it was, it was, it was this really weird moment. I, I closed the door to the roof behind me and there, were, there was no light in there. And I was dragging my dog Cookie with me. and She was not having it. I don't know if it was the radiation she was about to discover or if it's just because it was so dark. I mean, it was like pitch, pitch dark. And I kind of felt my way up to the top of the stairs that leads to the roof. I open the door. And as I open the door, I see all these signs inside and outside on the roof. Warning, 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 radiation, radiation, you know, that radiation sign, poison kind of sign, uh, bio, bio warfare <laughs> kind of thing. And then Verizon. And I was like, it was like walking into kind of a crime scene or the feeling you have when you walk out to your car and it's been broken into, you know, it was this feeling of shock, awe, and kind of violation, to be honest, because I never, ever, ever would have moved into this apartment if I had any idea that they were up there. So open the door, see all the signs, see what they had done 
is around the towers, they made these little faux walls so that you can't see them from the street. You know, most of the time you can see cell towers or so, I thought, and you just don't move there. And if you're walking by, you walk fast. And uh, so, yeah, I, you know, I, I, at first I thought, well, there's something nefarious going on here. The owners of the building uh, colluded with Verizon and they want to trick everyone into moving here and leasing offices in this building. And so they've covered them up to hide them, you know, maybe a bit of that, but more likely it's just that they are an eyesore. And so they built these nice little facades in front of the towers so that you couldn't see them. So I see these two square enclosures and, uh, you know, they were made to look like a part of the building and all the radiation signs. And it's actually just not only just horrific for me now because I'm in an absolute urgent um need to move, but I'm thinking about the people in that office building that have offices, you know, four feet under those freaking towers. I mean, it's not good. So I've actually debated whether or not to go. I mean, it sounds crazy, but I I feel almost obligated to go put up some flyers or find the businesses in there and email them and be like, you probably don't know that, you know, right above you are giant cancer bars just frying you to death. But anyway... Maybe it's none of my business. I'll, I'll ponder on that as I ring in the new year, but I'm definitely looking for um, a place to live. I realize in that moment how urgent it is for me to move, especially in the light of the recent podcast I recorded with Dr. Jack Cruz, which comes out in a couple months. Uh, in the meantime, by the way, if you'd like to learn more about why living near cell towers is so dangerous and why it's only to get worse with the rollout of 5G technology which is exponentially more dangerous than one, two, three, or our current 4G systems, just Google Jack Cruz 5G and you will quickly learn why this is such an important social and health issue. It's a lot to explain right now, but just if I take my word for it, um, you don't want to live close to this stuff. And if you live in a city where they're rolling out 5G, which is almost everywhere, not to be an alarmist, not to be paranoid, but it's time to face the reality. It's pretty gnarly. So in 2019, one of my highest priorities will be to find a place to live outside of the immediate city limits of LA where I've lived for 30 years. Whenever I post up, people are like, move here, move there. No, I can't move anywhere, you guys. I still have a business in LA. I still record a lot of shows here, but it's definitely time to get out of the EMF microwave oven part of the city. And, um, you know, I don't know where I'm going to be, but somewhere within an hour's drive of Los Angeles, put it that way. So as much as you might care and thank you for the feedback, don't tell me where to move because I'm not moving. I make a living here. It just is what it is. But I'm more convinced now than ever that toxic blue light exposure, non-native blue light, uh, non-native EMF, non-native meaning it's not natural to the earth. It doesn't come from here. It's an alien source of radiation and blue light. Lack of adequate sun exposure and geoengineering pollution are by far the most critical issues we face in terms of our physical, and ultimately mental health. So when people ask me about what are the best biohacks and supplements and this and that, I'm like, dude, mitigating these threats is paramount. Now, when anyone asks me for advice, my answer is simple. Move out of high-density urban areas, get lots of sun exposure, do cold therapy, breath work, and shield yourself from EMF and blue light. And uh, I think if you could just do that, which most of those things are fairly free or cheap, you might not even need many supplements. And I don't really think you even need to worry about your diet so much. I mean, eat organic, but if you're vegan, paleo, whatever, do your thing. Get out of the EMF and the blue light. That's, I swear to God, after 22 years of research, I think that's really what it comes down to and get out into the sun. So that's, uh, that's what I'm talking about. That said, 
that was kind of, you know, a little bit of a bummer to find out. But as I said, it's, it's motivating me to carry the message and help more people build an awareness about this. And it also sped up the urgency of my moving, which I wanted to do anyway. Now I'm like, I got to get out of here, you know, any day now. So I'm very eagerly looking for a new spot out in the woods with some trees. And, uh, you know, I'm sure that that will happen now that it's become urgent. And um, so despite that kind of bummer that I found out, at least I didn't find out too late. And I don't think I have any diseases at the moment. But I'm excited to really get my health back by moving somewhere else. I'm also really excited and hopeful about 2019 in general. I think for me personally, this is going to be the best year yet. I'll be kicking it off with a guest spot on Bulletproof Radio. As I said, I'll be doing tons more speaking gigs and even a couple more um, long format workshops and online programs and things that I'm eager to tell you about in the new year. I'm also thrilled to be heading off to Rhythmia in Costa Rica at the end of January to take my first plant medicine journey which of course I'll be thoroughly documenting as a series of podcasts and videos. So you can look forward to that. That's exciting. And then in terms of uh, my plans for the podcast moving forward in 2019, you can look forward to some exciting updates. I'm going to be doing more solo shows, some Q&A stuff. I've got a few different formats in mind. And then also I'm going to be spending much more time focusing on mental and spiritual health rather than laboring over whether kale or bacon is better for you. The health stuff's great. I love it. But I really want to focus more on psychology, relationships, addiction issues, family, mindset, personal development, etc. I think because just at the end of the day, the inner work is ultimately what determines the quality of life you experience. So you can count on more great guests covering that range of topics. And um, you know, for you health nuts, you biohackers, don't worry. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna totally abandon ship there. I'm still going to cover issues that I find to be the most urgent, like diving deeper into the EMF stuff the corruption from big telecommunication companies, the corruption and just negligence in some parts of the medical industry, big pharma, and even the government. I'm getting into a little more of the social causes as they pertain to health because some of these things have a major impact on mental health and even suicide. And when you really start digging into low dopamine and lack of sun exposure, you're talking about tanking your melatonin and dopamine. And these things have a real impact on society because you have malnourished and imbalanced people. And, um, you know, so many of us are still running around trying to find the right diet. And I'm like, dude, <laughs> it's not, the, it's not about the right diet. It's about your, your natural native environment. And I'm also very curious about, um, what the coming year will hold for me in the area of romance and family, you know, having taken, I guess a year and a half off now to do some really deep work on myself in that area. I've learned so much and made such massive strides in my own maturity and evolution in terms of what a healthy and fulfilling relationship can look like. I'm also crystal clear on not only what I want in a partner, but more importantly, exactly what I have to offer. And I think, you know, looking to get into a relationship, oftentimes we're looking at what we can get and who we want and what we want, but not so often, at least in my case, like, well, who am I as a person, as a man? And what am I really able and willing to bring to the table? And I'm really clear on that. And I feel really good about what I have to offer. So I can't wait to see what the universe has in store for me. And um, yeah, we'll see <laughs> who the lucky lady is ends up stealing my heart in the coming year. But I'm, I'm excited about my prospects in that way. And uh, I'm just really excited about growth. You know, any way in which I'm expanding and moving into more love and um, a more open heart, that's what really feeds me and keeps me going. So speaking of my heart, I've got to also take a moment to sincerely 
thank all of you for joining me on this journey. If this is the first episode you're listening to, you might be going, why do I need to know all this? Get on with the show. But this is the show. You know, I know many of you uh, listening right now have also listened to almost every episode based on the feedback I get. And you even take the time to share the show with your friends and loved ones. And it just means so much to me that I'm able to have what I think is a mostly positive impact hopefully, on so many lives around the world, man. And having the opportunity to serve you in this way is truly, and I, I can't emphasize this enough, but it's truly an honor and a privilege to be able to share the information that I'm finding that's uplifting my life. And when I find things that work, when I'm out doing my research and I find the experts and I find the practices and I find the principles and truths that truly create a fulfilling and meaningful life. And I'm able to share those with you and then you apply them and you reflect back to me that it's having a positive impact on your life and uh, the lives of your friends and loved ones. That just means so much. So with sincere uh, gratitude. I just thank you for joining me. And I, I, I hesitate to ask anything in return, but if you're feeling my sentiment and you would like to support this endeavor in the coming year, I think the easiest thing for you to do is just to continue to share episodes, share the podcast in general with your friends and family. And most of all, that you just continue to imply the very powerful knowledge that my many brilliant guests have shared and will continue to share on the show. I think that's really the way you can give back to yourself and to me is to just say, hey, I'm learning these things, these truths coming in the form of a written or spoken word, however they happen to be delivered. And I'm applying them in my life because all truth is really useless unless we apply it. And that goes for me too. So keep sharing the information and keep using it yourself. And we need to do everything we can to free humanity from the false matrix that many are still imprisoned by before the big tech censorship begins to encroach on the current free speech being utilized by long-form communications like podcast, um, as they've done to so many other social media platforms. So I feel like, you know, I'm going to say whatever I can and speak my truth while I'm still able. It's, um, I, I don't want to be defeatist about it, but some of the censorship that I've observed this year has been pretty scary, to be honest. And, uh, you know, I see people kind of laughing at some of the people that get censored off of YouTube or Facebook because they have a different point of view than them. And they think, ha ha, I hated that person anyway, but trust me, it's only a matter of time that if we allow this to continue and our first amendment rights are uh, denied or obscured by the idiosyncrasies of how social media and big tech corporations position themselves legally it could get scary. So I'm not going to get scared. I'm just going to keep speaking my mind. And if I ever get shut down because I want to talk about vaccines or circumcision or geoengineering or some of the more controversial subjects that I cover or even 5G and you know the fact that Verizon can put a cell tower you know, a couple hundred feet from where a lot of people live knowing that <laughs> it's, um, it's uh, what's that word that causes cancer? carcinogen <laughs> amongst other things and not warn the people in the neighborhood. Hey, by the way, you're living here. Uh, I, I'm going to keep spreading my truth and, you know, I do it in the, in the most positive sense that I can, but um, I'm just grateful to be able to do what I'm doing right now and not be beholden to any advertisers or any agenda that's coming from above, like so many of the mainstream media outlets are. So we're unrestricted for right now. And I'm looking forward to having more unrestric unrestricted talks with you in 2019. So in closing, 
I really just want to thank you for making 2018 the most fulfilling and magical year of my life. And I so look forward to joining you on an even better year in 2019. And now let's get into the episode. Here's a taste of the topics I cover in this live bootleg broadcast recording, which of course, you know, the name implies a bootleg. The sound quality is going to be of lesser quality than the sound quality you're hearing right now. For example, it was recorded live on the fly at an event, but here's what we talk about, or rather what I talk about. How to identify and dissolve your blockages, things that are holding you back, surviving and navigating profound loss of a loved one, how to feel love for and even see yourself in every single person you see, entry-level love versus the highest love. Then we pose the question, would you rather experience love or be right? How I block and bless toxic social media trolls. How to win the game of hot potato pain. The number one secret to quickly getting past negative feelings. How to remove your shit-colored glasses and end your addiction to finding fault with your present reality. Answering the question, if God is benevolent and kind, why is there so much pain here on earth? Making space between the mind and who you really are and living in that gap. The fact that it's not what's happening to you that's making you suffer, it's your opinion about what's happening. The fact that ego is clever but lacks wisdom. Finding God in everything, as taught by Yogi Bhajan, who was famously quoted as saying, if you don't see God in all, you don't see God at all. It's now with the deepest gratitude that I present to you the lecture portion of the High Love Experience, a workshop I presented and recorded live at Rama Institute in New York City, October 27th, 2018. Merry Christmas. So what we're going to talk about today at the Rama Institute in New York City isn't it great to be in New York City? How many people don't live here? Isn't it fun coming into New York City? Uh, once you get you know, past the airport part and all that part, but you get into the city, there's such an energy here. It's fantastic. Uh, what we're going to talk about tonight on this 27th day of October 2018 is how we can experience a more full and more rich version of each of our lives, you know, and as we just did in that exercise, we're writing down some things that are blocking us some things that are in our way. And that is really what the problem is. If there's ever a problem in any of our lives, it's not that there's not enough love in the world. It's not that there is no uh, God or that there is no universal intelligence or great spirit or higher power. It's that there's things in my being that block me from having that experience, period. What those things are vary from moment to moment and during the different seasons of life. I talked to a friend of mine a couple hours ago in L.A., I don't answer my phone. I'm one, of, I'm one of those people. I'm just, I don't do phones. Even if it's like my best friend, I'm like, Duh, don't answer. You know, what is that? Like decline? That's my button. Decline. Just like, call. You don't text before you call. Are you insane? So my friend called and it was a missed call because I ignored it, of course. And I thought, ah, damn, I better call him back. Felt guilty. And my intuition was right. I called him back and a, a dear friend of his um, had died. A friend of his that was dis 
terribly disabled for a long, long time in a wheelchair and, and all that. And uh, he, you know, had a complication, went in the hospital, supposed to be fixed, came out. Mom found the guy probably in his 30s dead. He's just gone, peaced out. And so my friend David was just devastated. You know, he said, I'm, I'm doing my best to know that there's a reason for everything and that, you know, he's not suffering anymore and all of the things that you think you're supposed to think and feel and in order to contextualize pain. So David is feeling this emotional pain, this loss. And from a very detached place, quite obviously, or at least probably what he's experiencing is the loss of an attachment. There's something there that he feels he needs that he's experienced before that he wants to continue to experience and enjoying that person's company or the experience of that person's love or appreciation or the memories or the history. And so what's blocking him in that moment from having the amazing time that I'm having, I'm fine. No one I know just passed away, right? So what's the difference between he and I in that moment? The difference is is that he's feeling the uncomfortable sensations in his body that we call feelings and that we call emotions. And that's literally the only thing that's different between his day and my day. Because no matter how you try to intellectually wrap your head around something that devastating, there's no way to avoid the feeling. And going through the feeling is the fastest way to get past the feeling. And so oftentimes, humans like me spend a lot of time and energy avoiding just having an uncomfortable sensation in my body because something sad happened, because I've lost something from my grasp, you know, something that I'm attached to, even a healthy attachment. Nothing wrong with being attached to someone you love. It just can cause you to suffer a lot if you don't identify when the attachment gets taken away that that's what it was. And so being the best friend that I could, I said what you say. There's a purpose to everything, David, and we don't understand what that purpose is when we're so close to it. You know, you're in Los Angeles. You're looking at your phone. You're talking to me. You're in your apartment. Your whole world right now is centered around the sensation that you have in your body of this loss. Why it's not affecting me in the same way is because I'm completely zoomed out and don't have that attachment. It's not someone I love. But trust me, very soon, many that I love and and even myself will be gone from this particular form too. So he's crying. And I didn't say, oh man, it's going to be all right. Don't cry. I said, cry more. Actually, what I told him was, well, he was in his car, so he couldn't do this. But I said, you know, maybe maybe when you get home, you could you could take like a a baseball bat if you have one, you know, for home protection or or the love of sport, or even a uh, you know a broomstick. And I said, man, just go beat the shit out of your bed or a pillow, or just bury your head in a pillow and just scream and just tell God how pissed you are that he made your friend suffer so long and then finally took him away get it out and experience as much discomfort as you possibly can as quickly as you can so you can get back to being of service to the people that are still here. So what's blocking David from having the giddy, fun New York day that I'm having is sensations that he doesn't want to feel. And trust me, I don't like feeling them either. 
I have all kinds of stuff around all the time that I can use, like many of us, to make sure that I don't feel anything except just a low hum. Now, Instagram's great for that. It's like, huh, I'm feeling a little sensation. Where's my phone? Okay. <sighs> feeling gone. Now there's a feeling of dopamine. <laughs> Couple of likes. A scary email. <laughs> Cortisol. Oh, it wasn't scary. They do want to hire me. Oh, the check's coming. Dopamine. <laughs> you know, I mean, this is our, this is our life. So whether it's an uncomfortable sensation that we're experiencing, which could be the loss, it could be pain, it could be a broken heart, or outside of a feeling, something that's going on in the mind, uh, where my mind is forming an opinion about something that's happened or something that is happening, and my mind is closed, meaning my mind has made a snap judgment. It's made a determination that whatever it is that I'm experiencing in reality is wrong, which could be something as heavy as a loss like that. And, and trust me, I'm not using that loss as an example to make light of it. Man, I'm, you know, I'm there for my friend and I can only imagine what that's like. I've actually never really lost someone that I've been terribly close to, uh, knock on wood. But I know what it's like to feel pain, <laughs> like all of us do. You know, Sometimes the pain has different causes and different reasons. But aside from the physical sensation in the body that happens when uh, there's an injury spiritually, emotionally, psychologically, uh, I find that most of the pain that we experience actually becomes from, comes from just having an opinion in our mind. You know, the mind says that's wrong, whatever it is. And the mind says that's wrong. Then it magnetizes other thoughts to prove that that's wrong. This addictive thinking, this, ad this addiction to looking at what's wrong. Like right now, as I sit here, I'm so grateful. They have such an amazing PA. You know, when I play the music, it sounds very rich. My voice sounds bassy. I'm into it. But what my mind hears, if I'm not aware of it, is... <laughs> Do you guys hear that? Right? Sorry, I just ruined your night for you. And that's a really great metaphor for what it's like to what it's like to experience life as a person. You know, there's there's always different sort of uh, perspectives that we can have on whatever reality is, and those perspectives completely and entirely determine how comfortable we how comfortable we feel in our body and the experience that we're having. The mind is so powerful. But you can only harness power of the mind if you learn how to become a witness of what the mind's doing. So my friend David that I talked to today, he's a, a practitioner of meditation. He's a studier of spiritual texts. He's a man that lives in contemplation. He's a man that has a desire to awaken. And what he indicated to me was, I'm feeling this pain in my body. It won't go away. And I'm watching my mind find fault and argue with the present reality. And when my mind says, this is wrong, there is no God, whatever the thoughts were that he was experiencing, it actually makes me hurt worse. So in a funny way, we really do have a choice in terms of how much we want to suffer. Because it's absolutely inevitable that there will be loss, there will be death, there will be flat tires, 
There might even be a DUI and a trip to jail, a couple of divorces, you know, an unfortunate birth defect, uh, a loss of a limb. That's what it's like to be incarnated. The difference between a life that's consumed by pain and suffering is all determined by one's thought about it. You know, and it's so simple that it's dumb. It's like, how can the solution to life's ills be that simple? It's just, you know, at one point the mind will go, like, yeah, 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 but you don't understand my problem. You, you're not watching the news, Luke, clearly. You know, you, you must not be aware of the, the evils in the world. And uh, to the contrary, I'm very, very aware. And I enjoy it all. I think it's amazing to watch humans on earth go through the different cycles of learning that they have to go through as a species. I mean, if you can really, really zoom out, I'm talking like Tesla spaceship zooming out in your little Corvette, looking down at the earth of all of the humans toiling around and going to war and having different races and colors and they're fighting with each other. And I mean, it's, it's like watching probably a kindergarten class or going to like a puppy daycare and looking through the window and watching, you know, peeping, pooing, sniffing, biting, barking, fighting. That's mankind on a whole. To zoom out and observe one's opinions about the microcosm of day-to-day life here. Oh man, if you don't have that ability, you're going to suffer because pain is inevitable. There's just no way around feeling super shitty sometimes. And the mind will say, well, if there is a God, if there is this loving, benevolent creator, then why isn't everything just awesome all the time? Right? Why can't it just be unicorns and rainbows and kumbaya? You know, why would a God create a world where there's so much pain and there's so much suffering? Do you want to know the answer? You tell me. No, uh, the answer is this, is that it gives us the opportunity to uh, learn the power of choice, to learn the power of choice. And in order to frame our own reality, to actually create our own reality by how we're experiencing and how we're interpreting what appears to be reality. And that requires a lot of humility for a human like us, because we have to admit that we really don't know. You know, when you watch all the pundits, in politics, everyone's an expert. Everyone is more righteous than the other person. Everyone's point of view is more virtuous than the other. You know, all the virtue signaling, all the self-righteousness. It's like no one has a goddamn clue what's going on, truly. We're all just fighting for our opinions and fighting for our positions. And most of us are not even aware that what's doing the fighting isn't even us. It's this thing that forms little opinions and attachments about the way we think it is. I arrived in New York City from Los Angeles last Tuesday night about uh, 6 p.m. And I booked my room, as I do, very far in advance. It's right around the corner. Great hotel. It's called the Ludlow, by the way, if you ever want to stay in New York City. It's pretty sweet. I'm enjoying it. One of the reasons that I selected that hotel was because it was close to Rama and I wanted to make sure I could do a lot of yoga and that I would be able to walk here because normally I forget a bunch of stuff. I don't think I did tonight, but I don't want to be across town. So I booked my room and I thought, man, I'm going to be out in New York. I'm going to do this event at Whitma. I'm going to do my event at Rama. 
And I want to record a bunch of podcasts while I'm here because I like to do them in person. And there's so many fantastic people in New York City. I mean, it's just like I could record five people a day for the next 10 years and never run out of fascinating, brilliant people to interview. So I, you know, shopped for hotels, found this one on a recommendation, and they have these great rooms with these big terraces, you know, the one that I did soggy cryotherapy yoga on today. And I was going to record all my podcasts out there. I had it all planned out. I mean, I looked at the square footage. I thought where I'm going to put my live streaming cameras and my YouTube camera and my microphone and all of my gear. And, uh, and I just was set. I'm, I'm good. Like what could possibly go wrong? You know, and I, and I land and I, uh, I walk out with my luggage at JFK and it's like 45 degrees you know, or whatever it was. And I thought, oh, it's probably, we're probably just because we're out at the airport. I'm sure when I get in the city, it'll be warm and muggy like it was last October when I was here recording all over the place, outdoors and whatnot, get to my hotel and lo and behold, it's still 45 degrees and windy and a little wet. So there would have been a time in my life where my mind would have produced the thought See, no matter what I do, I always fail. See, God hates me. See, why didn't the idiots that designed this hotel put a, like a retractable roof on every terrace? Why wouldn't you do that? How come I'm not rich enough to just get whatever goddamn room I want with like a spare bedroom to go record it? Maybe it's because I'm not smart enough. Maybe it's because I'm unlucky. Maybe it's because God hates me. And then the fears. What are people going to think when I invite them over to record and I have this tiny ass hotel room? They're going to think I don't have any money. They're going to think I'm a loser and they're not going to like me. What if I'm actually just unable to do what I set to do and I have all these appointments? On every appointment in my calendar said the Ludlow Hotel. (laughs) That's where they're all coming to, with the exception of a couple people that I had to go visit in their location. Trying to think of other things that the mind could do, which mine really didn't do, thankfully this time, but would have throughout most of my life. Maybe more than anything, I just would have been freaking pissed. You know, there would have been a time in my life where I went into the room, opened up the thing, and went, I don't want to like swear that much on my podcast anymore in case this does go out. Maybe I shouldn't even swear that much in a sacred yoga studio, but. I can't think of appropriate words that um, take the place of the F word, but I would just be like, you know what I'd be? I'd be F my life and I'd probably get super pissed off and I made it, I might've even punched a wall and like hurt my own hand or like thrown my suitcase across the room or threw my own $800 stupid phone on the ground or just had a, a temper tantrum as a man in my twenties or thirties and maybe on a bad day in my forties. But because I have relentlessly practiced and studied what I'm sharing with you guys right now for a long ass time, I rather than going to the negativity bias and painting that reality with a narrative and a story that said, this is bad. I hereby judge this bad. I hereby judge this as sucking wholeheartedly. F my life. Why do I even try to do stuff? Because look what always happens to me. What I thought was, of course, like, well, I got to think of a couple of options, a couple of solutions. But as I started to become more solution oriented rather than self-pity, anger, resentment, rather than fighting reality, 
I thought, oh, this is going to be awesome. Now I'm going to be able to record a bunch of podcasts in a bunch of different locations. This is going to be sick. I'll do a couple in the room. I'll try it here. I'll go down to the lobby. I'll do some there. I'll travel to people's uh, homes or places of business, whatever the case may be. And uh, it's just going to be awesome because I'm going to have variety and some excitement and an opportunity to have a different experience than I planned for. And then having an open enough mind to go, you know what, maybe it wouldn't have even worked out there anyway. And I'm actually being saved by the 45 degrees in the rain because it's probably too goddamn loud on that terrace. And it was an error in calculation to begin with. And those people like some of you listening to the podcast would hear a lot of woo, 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 woo in the middle of someone's profundity on the show. And that's a really surface level example of transmutation, you know, of, of, of alchemy, of turning feces into gold. But you can do that with the big stuff too. The only difference is, like my friend David, you have to feel what's there because there's a reality to what's there. There wasn't a lot of feeling about like, oh, I'm inconvenienced. I have a beautiful hotel and I got to like change my plan a little. You know, there wasn't a lot of feeling there. It was a bit disappointing. You know, I was a bit discouraged. But the same process applies even when it's a big thing. It's not believing the fake news that my mind has about the event that's happening. We'll be right back at you after this brief but important announcement. I'd like to tell you about today's sponsor, Tonic Wellness Boutique up on Beverly, just a few short blocks from my house. Now, you know I've been living in LA for 30 years, so if you're going to ask anyone on where the hot spots are when it comes to health and wellness, beauty, biohacking, I might just be the guy. So you can go to tonicboutique.com and learn all about the services they offer. They're located in the middle of LA, smack dab in the middle between Beverly Center and The Grove. And they offer a combination of hot and cold therapy. So you can go in there and do your infrared clear light saunas. You can do full body cryo or something that's really cool, which is the localized cryo. You can do a 10-minute treatment that boosts production of collagen and blood circulation. This is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and encourages skin cell rejuvenation, so adding a healthy glow. So not just like a biohacking, like get ripped, feel good, but the Tonic Boutique is really also about looking good. So that's why they're so popular with the models and actresses. You know what I'm saying? Los Angeles is not only about feeling good and being into health and wellness, but it's about looking good. And listen, man, you know, I'm not ashamed to say I don't mind going in there and getting a little cryo. I really like the localized cryo, not just for beauty on the face and neck and all of that stuff. But if you've got an injury, like if you have a bum knee or a neck, I always get it done on my lower back. So my routine there is like, I'll do a full body cryo, I'll do some localized cryo, and then I'll get in one of their beautiful clear light saunas and sweat it out, do the whole hot and cold thing. It's just fantastic. So do yourself a favor for real, head over to Tonic Wellness Boutique on Beverly. You can find them at tonicwellnessboutique.com. Really cool people. They're going to be happy to hear that you found them through the Lifestylist podcast and probably give you a little extra special treatment. So check them out ASAP. And now back to the interview. I don't know anything about Shakespeare except this. He said, apparently... There's no such thing as good or bad. 
Only thinking makes it so. If you're someone who's very left brain dominant and intellectual, right when I said that, your mind went, that's bullshit. (laughs) There are bad things, probably. Did anyone's mind think that? It's okay. It's good if it did. No, you guys are all enlightened. Excellent. (laughs) Then we can move faster. The events that transpire in one's life and out in the world are not good or bad. They just are what they are until and unless the mind does what it does and forms an opinion about it and puts it on the downside or the upside. Uh, Mind says we call that's bad. I don't like the tapestry. It should be blue. The tapestry is orange. That's the reality. Whether or not it should be is based to to my mind, is based on my mind, right? It's based on the opinion that I have. Without learning how to manage one's physical space and one's energy, like we just did running through a couple Kundalini yoga exercises, without moving that energy, without creating space, creating stillness through practices like meditation of whatever kind and contemplation, I would dare say that it's impossible to have authority over what direction the mind goes when it determines it's time to make a judgment about the present reality. The reason why is because life comes at you too fast, man. It comes too fast. You open the hotel room door and the mind is ready. It's just ready to pounce. It's going, no, this is wrong. That's wrong, 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 wrong. And it's just ready for a fight. It wants to chew on that, you know? It's so quick. It's so quick when you're walking around New York City and you're a little too close to the curb and the taxi hits the pothole and, you know, there goes your designer jeans or shoes. You know, that are now covered in mud. That's how fast the mind goes wrong, wrong, wrong. Does it not? For some of us, <laughs> like this one, not so much anymore. Little by little, like I said, I'm making some progress on this. But for most of my life, my mind was set on the dark side no Luke Skywalker pun intended, just automatically all the time. Literally. I mean, it's, hard, it's, hard, it's almost hard for me to imagine what it used to be like. But in almost every scenario that I would enter into, I would immediately look for what was wrong with that situation. And I would often verbalize it. You know, it's like I'd walk in here and be like, why are those two lights off right in the middle? What? And then the one fan, why is that light off? That's dumb. I mean, just arbitrary shit like that. But then also, when I was unaware that that's what I was doing and that's how I was living, that I was painting with like brown poop paint, my reality all the time, just flinging poopies on all reality. It's not just like I could choose like, yeah, I really don't, I really don't like the two lights being off, but everything else is amazing. The way my mind has the propensity to operate is this. I don't see that first one. It's like an enemy soldier that entrenches itself in a foxhole. It digs in, it digs in, and it's in. And then that thought form, that negativity is there. It's just, it's, it's chewing on stuff. And then it starts to kind of branch out and look for other things to pull into that circle of hate. 
you know what? I really didn't like how that girl talked to me today at the coffee shop. I found that to be very disrespectful. You know what I think I need to do is go over there and have a word with her. Here's what I'm going to say. You know, that thing. But it starts with the one thought. And without the ability to have distance between the thoughts, to have space between the mind and the reality, capital T, capital R, I'm going to be trapped in that cycle for the rest of this lifetime and probably many more to follow. The good news is we're incarnated at a time where there's a lot of very useful information out there and useful people that are exploring what it's like to not live under the control of a mind that's wrong about almost everything almost all the time. And if you don't hear it from me tonight, if you're open and receptive to the possibilities of finding that gap of separation and living in that gap more of the time, there's plenty of other people that have found the gap too. It's amazing to see what's happened in the past 22 years that I've been exploring this way of experiencing life and all the different practices and modalities and teachings that I have. We are in a massive, massive awakening. Mankind is in, is in the most profound spiritual awakening at this time. If you don't turn on your TV, you'll start to become aware of that. And if you gravitate to locations such as this, where more of those people that are having that experience are gathered, you'll find there's more and more and more of us. I mean, I'll be somewhere like the, you know, the Whitma event I was at a couple of nights ago. And Every conversation I had, and many of those conversations were with people that were quite younger than me. You know, I'm two nights on the eve of turning 48 years old, and uh, I know we're celebrating my birthday tonight, or at least I am, because Mondays are boring, as we discussed. Well, then there's an opinion of the mind. Mondays are boring, right? Maybe they're not. Maybe Mondays are awesome because everyone's inside. (laughs) But I'm talking to people, and yeah, I don't go around like, how old are you? You sound kind of wise, but you know, looking in someone's eyes, I'm going, hmm, this person's probably 22, 25, 27, and they get all this. They don't even need to hear what I'm saying right now. I mean, we all kind of do because we all need to be reminded because the world's still out there when we walk out the door. But I'm just looking at people going, what? Am I in a parallel universe? How did this happen? 15 years ago, 18 years ago, you know, reading books like The Power of Now. I mean, no one had that freaking book. Me and like a couple of friends had it. No one knew who Eckhart Tolle was or, I mean, God, you can't even keep track of the spiritual teachers now because they're, uh, they're, they're so numerous and they're so varied. You know, there's so many different ways that you can hear the same message. So many podcasts, so many audiobooks, so much wisdom is being shared. I don't even know where these people are finding it, but I have the awareness that, man, a lot of people are waking up. And all that's required is (laughs) admitting that you don't know as much as you think you know. And keeping that alive. You know, sitting here tonight, I'm like on a piece of wood that's three or four feet taller than you guys. And so I'm the one that has a microphone and I'm sitting up here, but God damn, I have so much to learn at the same time. So it's that balance of uh, accepting and actualizing your own realization 
but always keeping it wide open for the next experience, you know, to leave here and sit down with the 21-year-old at the bus stop that blows your mind with the, uh, the amount of wisdom they have and the awakening that they're having. But all of the wisdom and all of the awakenings all say the same thing. They all essentially say, there's no good or bad, only thinking makes it so. They all say that there's no lack of love in the world. There's just a lot of blocks preventing us from experiencing it. They all say that there is a loving, creative consciousness throughout the universe that does in fact exist, but there are things within us individually that block our experience of that. Years ago, I said to a a spiritual teacher that I had at a time that I'm very grateful for, for about 10 years, very unassuming spiritual teacher that wrote a Harley and smoked cigars. Like my friend David today, I was going through a really hard time and I said to, uh, to my teacher, my, my guru on a Harley, that I couldn't find God. I couldn't reconcile the pain of living and what, what I was talking about earlier. That's like, how can there be this God thing and then that? Nuclear bombs, holocausts, rapists pedophiles like how do you explain all that i can't find god god won't help me you know it's like i'm in pain so what what do i do i asked whatever created me god will you help me just relieve this pain i feel horrible how how can you stop this and then there's no answer the pain doesn't stop and so i asked my teacher you know well how do how do i find god like where's god there's been times when i feel it and Things are going well, and I feel like I have some sense of reality, and I'm experiencing positive emotions and love and some degree of success in different areas of my life. And then something happens, and just poof, it's gone. And my teacher said, Luke, if you can't find God, guess who moved? And the answer is, it wasn't God. You know, the answer is, is the mind forms opinions about things, and the sensations come over the body, the feelings come over the body. And that is really uncomfortable and I want to get out of it. So I drink, I do drugs, I do things that feel good for the moment. But I mean, I don't do that now, but, you know, going back to Instagram or whatever vices we each have, I do those things to numb the pain, but then I come back to the problem and we're at the problem again, you know, Uh, because... I haven't been able to identify that the problem is the perception that I have of my experience, not the experience itself. See, it's not what's happening. It's my opinion about what's happening that makes me suffer. This is it. That's it. My opinion about war makes me suffer. Do I like war? Does that mean I got to go to war or support wars, cause more wars? No, man. I do everything I can to increase the peace. 24-7, that's what my whole life is about. But I also don't sit around whining about the fact that there's war. Because I zoom out and I go, ah, okay. There's less war than there used to be. There's less slavery than there used to be. There's probably less rapes than there used to be. See what I mean? I mean, we're talking about eons. We're going very slowly as a species. We're kind of in molasses. But if you really look at the arc of mankind over history, 
we are ever so slowly becoming less barbaric as time goes on, despite appearances. But if you really study history, I mean, even slavery was an upgrade from the Inquisition and the Vikings. They just come and slaughter everyone. If you're enslaved, that's actually a step up from just being hatcheted to death and cut into bits. And all of that is totally up to how you frame it and how you contextualize it. It's the closed mind that locks me into my opinions about things. And those opinions are not only erroneous and false the vast majority of the time, but they're also very painful. They're the ideas about things that make me hurt inside. They close my heart. They make me feel the pain. But in one sense, many of us become addicted to that pain. Do we not? I mean, in a way, there's like this certain pleasure in feeling sorry for yourself. There's a pleasure on on a lower base level of really hating someone. I'm not just talking like, I'm kind of pissed at that person, but like, oh, if I could get away with it, what I would do to that person. There's a certain morose satisfaction in that to the lower self. But a nights like tonight, with people like you, we can step back and we can get a little bit of perspective to see that I have options that I can observe when I start to enjoy the juice that I get out of hatred, the juice that I get out of fear, the juice that I get out of feeling sorry for myself, the false sense of safety and security that I get from closing my heart and withdrawing, pulling back. I'm not going to admit I was wrong. I'm going to win the argument. (laughs) Until you realize that it feels much better to be free than to be right. And so little by little, in tiny, tiny steps and tiny increments, as we go through life, we have the opportunity as these events kind of fire at us. You know, we're sort of in this little body of a spaceship and we're going through space and time, walking the streets, doing the emails, going to work. We're in our car, we're on the train, we're on the plane, we're, we're moving, we're out there and things are coming at us. We have a choice to paint those experiences, whatever color we want as they come in. And this is the ultimate gift of the grace of God that created us. It's called free will. And in my life, this is what makes up for all of the things that I don't think should be happening. Because if those things weren't there, I wouldn't have the opportunity to learn how to change the way that I see them. In other words, if I incarnated and came to earth and it was Shangri-La, it'd be very difficult to evolve and grow, would it not? There was only light. What do you do? I'm light. Like what? No, I need to learn how to become a spiritual warrior. I need to learn how to transmute darkness, how to transmute evil, how to change myself. You know, get along with the stepmom, get along with the the mother-in-law, get along with the little brother, you know, like start in the immediate. So many of us are trying to solve the world's problems and we, you know, we haven't forgiven Uncle Harry yet. 
You know what I'm saying? Nothing against social justice and people that are out there doing good in the world. I'm all for it, but damn, there's so much work to be done internally. Then the positive reverberation becomes automatic. I crap you not. A lot of the time when I'm out doing my Luke thing in the world, I feel this immense, deeply profound sense of love for everyone that I see. And it's not because of who they are. It's because of what they are. It's because they're me (laughs) in the coffee shop, you know, in the bank, especially when you get a parking ticket. That's the best. How are you today? Man, thank you so much for keeping us safe. (laughs) Keeping those streets organized, man. Good job. Those are a little more challenging. When the blocks are removed, the love is revealed. The love isn't missing from my heart on one day. And then the next day I go out and I'm able to experience the love, not just of people and not even in a, I mean, definitely not in a romantic sense, but not even in like a human to human sense, just an unconditional blanket love for everything in this plane of reality, including the embodied souls that happen to be around. Does that make sense? See, that love is always there. It's always present. That's the highest love. That's not a love. Oh, I love you, baby. We're high school sweethearts. Kissy, kissy love, romantic love. That's a level of love. That's great love. That's entry level love. I'm talking about the love for the things that are hard to love. That's the high love. That's the highest love. That's a love that doesn't have conditions. Well, I could love the street if X, Y, and Z were different. I could love my mom if X, Y, and Z were different. I could love you if you were just, if you just stopped doing that one thing you do, I'll love you. Deal? If it just wasn't so cold and rainy in New York right now, this would be awesome. I would love it here. But I'm sorry, I can't love it because there's no love. No, what there is, is there's an idea that rain sucks that's covering the love that I've been experiencing here. I walk around, I mean, not barefoot. I have my, my little mandals. People make fun of me a lot. It's good for my ego. They're called earth runners. They're actually quite awesome. They ground you uh, electrically to the earth, which is quite beneficial. It's another talk. The first few days I'm here, it's kind of cold, it's a little wet, a little rainy. I'm walking around in my sandals. People kind of stare at me. They clown on me. I'm, I'm cool with that. My feet were cold as hell. People kept asking me, aren't your feet cold? I was like, yeah. They're freezing. It's the best. It's amazing. And they look at me like, okay. What edible did you just (laughs) wolf down? (laughs) No edibles. I'm high on life, man. I'm high on life because I'm learning how to change my perception of the reality that I'm experiencing. And so are you guys. That said... I'm also not an idiot. And when it really started raining, I put on some shoes and socks. So I thought, well, I could be a little more comfortable. And then I love that. This is, of course, much easier to grasp 
and utilize when everything's kind of chill. Right now in my life, subjectively, personally, there's no major fires that I need to put out. Right? You guys seem to be present, enjoying yourself to a relative degree. There's no tomatoes flying at the gong behind me. We're we're cool. We're you know we're safe for right now. Uh, no bad news from back home. My dog Cookie's cool. I'm getting videos. You know, so right now it's like yeah, I love everything all the time, man. I mean that's kind of the California way, really. It might be a California thing. You guys might be SOL actually. <laughs> no, not really. It helps though. You know, life's easier there in uh, in many ways. But practicing with the little things like wet, cold feet over time, over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, makes the email of rejection much easier to reframe. Makes the loss of a relationship much easier to reframe. Makes being right way less important. You know? It's so fun to be not agreeing with someone and just go, you know what? Probably right. <laughs> but not not in that way where you're being a smart ass, not the precocious, oh no, yeah, no, you're totally right. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, what you said. Uh-huh. Yeah. Not that. Not fake ass acquiescing. Real acquiescing, going, you know what? I totally think I'm right, but where I'm getting my information is up here. This thing is not very reliable. There's a greater source of information that this thing acts as an antenna for. There is the all-knowing. There is an infinite reservoir of wisdom and truth available. And at times, you can use this thing as a tuning fork and get some of that. Hopefully, that's happening a little bit tonight for the benefit of all of us in the room. But damn, 90% of the time, this thing's just like, it's not reliable. So perhaps we have a disagreement about whatever or whomever. Oh, what a good feeling to be able to go, you know what? I'd rather experience love right now than experience that little jolt of, I'm right. You know, I fucking won. <laughs> Kenny Powers, you fucking out. <laughs> Those of you that laughed, word. I, I told myself I was going to swear less. God, sometimes there's just no way to express yourself. I'm sorry. People sometimes complain when they listen to my podcast. And I'm like, I hear you. You have kids in the car. I know. I want kids to be able to hear the show too. And maybe you're offended, but damn, sometimes it's just hard to emphasize a point. And it's hard to not quote Kenny Powers verbatim because that shit was genius. <laughs> it's called Eastbound and Down. If you're interested in looking it up, if you need to lighten up a little bit, I don't know if it'll suit your humor, but I found it to be uh, quite hilarious. So what's required is surrender. That's the bitch of it. What's required is humility. It's to know that I don't know and to be okay with not knowing. Very difficult for the ego to do that. The ego wants to protect us. But as I said, it lacks wisdom. It's clever about doing it, but it's not wise. You know, the difference between being wise and clever is vast. <laughs> you know, clever, deceptive, gets its way. But wise looks at the long game 
And the ego doesn't see the long game. The ego sees right now, I got to be safe. And if I can make you wrong, that's going to secure me. And that's a really horrible way to live. So over time, through that incremental practice of just little surrender by little surrender by little surrender, one at a time, observing the mind every single time the mind says, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong. Just slip in just one. It's wrong, but I'll, I'll accept it. You know, sometimes surrender is too much of a, a, a leap. You just have to accept something. Hey, I can't surrender to global weather as a whole, but I can kind of accept that it's raining tonight. Right? So what the ego wants to do, this is so funny. Think of how dumb the ego is. The ego, when it complains about the rain or the person, the job, the boss, the ex, whatever, all it's doing is trying to make me feel superior to that thing. I mean, you think about how dumb that is for me to go, why did they put the orange thing right there? The ego is going, we're going to be higher than the orange thing. I mean, it's just, it's literally so dumb, really dumb. But if I haven't built the muscle of observation, built the muscle of acceptance, built the muscle of surrender, of awareness, of space, then I lose that choice. I don't have a choice to determine how I'm going to color reality. And when that choice is lost, then reality becomes so painful that for some people, not all, but definitely for this one, I got to find a way to get out. And the way you get out most of the time has consequences. Whether it's binging, you know, an innocent escape route, like binging a TV show way later than you're supposed to, then you suffer the next day, but you just didn't want to feel what you were feeling. You didn't want to feel the repercussions of what your mind is telling you about your present reality. So you did the TV show, or maybe you take it to another extreme and you, you know, you smoke crack or you shoot crystal meth in your neck. You know, some of us go to great lengths. Some of us just try to express it on other people. You know, there are those people in the world that just, they're in so much pain because they have not had the gift of grace to learn how to manage thought and manage emotion that they're so encumbered by it that the only solution that seems viable to get it out is just giving it to someone else, you know? I don't experience a lot of this firsthand, but I do get the odd troll (laughs) on social media. And uh, not many, because I'm just probably not famous enough. Uh, Or maybe I'm not as annoying as I think I might be sometimes. But I get the odd troll. And at first, it used to really kind of bother me. And I would feel like, oh, really? Wait till you read this comeback. And I'm just going to devastate them and make them feel worse than I do. Why? Because now I'm hurt and it's too much hurt to hold. So I need to get it back on them. It's like a game of hot potato. Here's the pain. Oh, the pain. Take the pain back. And now, actually, I did this, uh, did this this morning. Uh, it's fun. I actually really love this. I wish I would get trolled more because I really enjoy this. Not really, because it means someone's in pain, but someone was like being snarky and judgmental and sent me like a DM on Instagram that was 
don't know what did it say. It was like, oh, they were they were criticizing one of my guests and and it really disparaging and and they were being very insulting to one of the guests. It wasn't even me. They were just like, nah, 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 nah. I don't want to say it because yeah, I will say it. Actually, bitch. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, I was like, she might be listening to this. And I'm like, I hope so. No, she's like, she goes, uh, why don't you ask her who the real writer of the book was, aka the ghost writer? Because I interviewed an author and I, I had the book on the table and we were talking about her book, which I thought was brilliant. I don't really care who wrote it. If she said she wrote it, she wrote it. That little thing, it's not a big, it's not a big deal. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm sorry. I called her the B word. It's, it's whatever. But she's being snarky and it's just, it's, it's 51% negative. You know what I'm saying? For a second, I, was, I left it. I was thinking, I don't want to spend too much energy on this, A, because it's totally stupid and not worth it. But I'm trying to learn how to have more discernment as to how much time I do spend on something and being able to use my gut to just go negative, delete. And I have to go, I don't know, should I? Well, maybe if I say this and we get in a conversation. No, I'm not talking to a nut that is in so much pain that they want to put someone else down for a work of art that they've put out into the world, you know? 51% 51% is too much. It's either negative or positive. It's black or it's white. It's like you're either saying something positive and supportive or you're not. And if you're not, then it's negative. And if you're doing the negative, then that tells me that you're in a lot of pain and that the pain is too much. And you're trying to toss that pain into my DMs, <laughs> you know? And that's fine. But I'm not going to waste my precious time trying to teach someone that by saying, hey, you know what? Like, I think I'm going to block you because you're being a little negative. Or what do you mean? Like, don't be a, don't be a dick, bro. We're not having that conversation. I'm just going to see that and my heart's going to go, ooh, negative. Poor person. I feel for them. I'm compassionate. They're in pain. But it's not my job to fix them. Go see a shrink. Go to yoga class. Do, do what you do. Take 50 ayahuasca doses. I don't care. But that's your shit. You know, I care about my life and I want to love everyone, including the, you know, the toxic DM lady or whatever. She's probably like watching the live stream right now, but it's good. Maybe there's a lesson there. I hope you're listening, lady, whoever you were that got blocked shortly after said discernment unfolded. But it's so fun to just not, not have time for that anymore because my mind has a reservoir of hatred and pain in it, just like hers. I have scars, I have trauma, I have pain, I've been hurt a lot. I can access that real quick. And then both of us can express our trauma and our baggage and our pain on each other and increase the pain. Or we can just go, oh, what's that? 51% negative block, bye. And then I'm out on the porch doing yoga in the rain going, oh my God, this is amazing. What a life, I'm freezing, this is awesome. See what I mean? It's like, there's a choice. Every moment, there's a choice. Hmm. Negative, positive, negative, positive, 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 love. Where's the love? Where's the love? Where's the love? And in blocking the lady, there's all it is is love. It's saying, cool, I'm going to give you the gift of probably hating my guts and resenting the hell out of me, but you're going to get you closer to hitting the bottom of your pain. Because pretty soon when you behave like that, pretty much everyone in your life is going to be like, block, 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 block. And you end up sad and alone with a bunch of cats. If you're lucky. So why not just use love to just wake it up? Love block, boom. Block and bless. Block, 
less. Block less. Not only does it work on Instagram, it works in life, you know? And this is where the spiritual bypass kind of thing comes in, where, see, it's not pretending like everything's good, not pretending like everyone's loving, not pretending like the world is perfect. It's about not choosing to energize the negativity. It's about choosing the highest love, which is a love that's unconditional of how reality seems to be presenting itself. And speaking of love, as we wrap up this portion of the program, I collectively and individually just love you guys so much. It's so much sweeter to have that experience, having experienced so much of the opposite for so long. And in that, I see the gift in the pain and the gift in the suffering and the gift in the shadow. Because I had, had I not experienced so much of the shadow in my own life, the contrast of that love that I'm experiencing right now would be so much less. It would be kind of a muted gray general love for 48 years instead of (laughs) abject self and other hatred for a good 26 to 30 and then a steady incline up to having less of that experience. You see what I mean? I'll close with this and give props to my boy, Yogi Bhajan, dearly departed. If you don't see God in all, You don't see God at all. Thank you guys for your kind attention. Well, that brings this very special Christmas episode to a halt. And again, as I said in the intro, I'm just so grateful to be able to do what I do for a living. Well, I guess I do a few things for a living. One of them being this podcast. It's not that much of a living yet, but I'll tell you what, it's given me life, baby. I love to be able to share my discoveries and uh, my journey with listeners like you. So thank you so much. You are my gift this holiday season. And I look so forward to meeting you in the new year, starting with next Tuesday's episode featuring Paul Selig. Uh, a partially channeled podcast episode. I want to make sure that you catch that. It's a really special one. I mean, I've done some good interviews, but that one blew me away. That was um, just an otherworldly, to say the least. So I can't wait to begin that. That'll be uh, dropped actually on January 1st. So uh, Tuesdays kind of worked out, one on Christmas and one on New Year's Day. So um, the calendar's on my side in terms of getting these things out on significant dates. I'd also love to uh, have you join my newsletter and you can do so so easily on a U.S. phone by simply texting the word lifestylist to the number 44222. That's one word, all lowercase, case sensitive, lifestylist to the number 44222. Once you send me a text, you'll be prompted to enter your name and email and I will very respectfully send you an email each and every Tuesday with that episode and all of the show notes. Now, if you don't have a U.S. phone, it's also really easy. You can do it right from your phone that way too. Just go to lukestory.com forward slash newsletter. If you do it right now, I'll send you the show notes from next week's show with Paul Selig on 1119. 
Now, you won't get the show notes from the episode you just listened to. You know what I'm saying? Because that email already went out. You know, it's chronological, folks. Okay, let's thank our sponsors, man. Two OG sponsors, Organifi and Four Sigmatic, right off the bat. These guys have been with me for a couple years now. They are loyal sponsors. Uh, The listeners of the show are loyal to them. Everyone loves these two brands. That's why they keep running ads on my show, because you guys are buying their stuff and using that great discount that they give you. So here's the dealio. Here's what's up. What's up is I forgot to turn off my email program and it's going ding dong in the background, which really annoys me when I listen to other people's podcasts. But one of my New Year's resolution for 2019 is to be less of a perfectionist and just let the show roll how the show rolls. So maybe I should just let the ringers go off and the buzzers go off and the notifications in the middle of the show all the time just to teach myself a lesson. No, I won't do that. Here's what's up though. We want to go to Organifi.com forward slash Luke. That's Organifi with an I. And once you're there, you can enter the code Lifestylist and save 20%. I would recommend starting out with the Organifi green juice powder. Amazing stuff, super healthy, tasty, way easy to use. They have little travel packs, which are dope. I use those on every single trip I take to make sure that I'm at least getting some veggies in, which I tend to not to kind of sometimes, you know what I'm saying? And the Organifi Gold, super calming, kind of golden latte type situation. You can make at night or anytime, hot or cold. It's freaking delicious. You can make them for people and they'll think you're a super badass elixir master, but all you did is just put water in the goddamn Organifi Gold and you win. But I love taking people out with that one because they're like, oh, this is so delicious. How did you do that? I'm like, ghee and hot water. Foursigmatic.com forward slash Luke Story. Over there, the code is Luke Story, and you're going to save 15% off some fantastic medicinal mushroom blends, herbal blends, really good stuff to make on their own or add to your coffee. You guys know what's up. I mean, you got to be doing the Four Sigmatic thing by now, right? Hopefully, you're not that behind the curve. And then, of course, last but not least, my friends over at Tonic Wellness Boutique. You can go to tonicboutique.com to learn all about this very special spa right in the middle of West Hollywood. It's kind of in between, I'm thinking of landmarks here, in between the Beverly Center and the Grove, I guess you could say, on Beverly Boulevard near La Cienega and Beverly, for those of you that know LA. Listen, son, listen, daughter, whatever the case may be, if you live in LA, you got to get to Tonic Wellness Boutique. And if you're visiting and you want to work off that jet lag, hop into the boutique. It's a really beautifully designed luxury spa experience. You can do cryotherapy there. You can do infrared saunas. They have clear light saunas. They have all sorts of beauty treatments. So a lot of your Hollywood celebrities and models and stuff like that frequent Tonic Wellness Boutique because it's not only stuff that's good for your health, but it's stuff that makes you look good. You can do the cryo skin, which is sort of like an updated biohack on uh, the freeze the fat kind of technology. I used it on my on my um, little belly roll a few months ago. Pasetta, the owner, did a few treatments on me. And I got to say, without really changing my diet or my workout much, I did melt some fat off. It actually works. Now, I think if you really worked on your diet and you worked out and did the cryo skin over at Tonic Wellness Boutique, you'd be crushing it. And you might even uncover at least a four pack under there. I think I have a two pack right now. Not to be confused with Tupac got a two-pack. Maybe I'll go back and freeze some more of that damn fat off so I don't have to work out that hard. What? I'm all about shortcuts, baby. But no, seriously, tonicboutique.com is an amazing spot. Definitely check it out if you live in LA or if you are traveling. 
And I think, my friends, that is it. I'm going to let you go with a short outro today. Thank you for supporting the show. Thank you for supporting our sponsors. And more than anything, thank you for listening to a podcast that I hope supports you and your life and your success in every way. And um, I was about to say, God bless you. And then I almost edited myself because some people are really freaked out by the word God. But I'm just going to say, God bless you, man, whatever God means to you. And, um, you know, universe, source, goodness, love, the highest love to you, the highest love to yours. And may 2019 start off with a bang and be your best year ever. I'll see you on January 1st with our guest, Paul Selig. This episode of the Lifestylist Podcast was produced by podcastmasters.net.